11, Hebrews chapter 11, and we are going to continue with our teaching, Faith Is. Faith Is. In Hebrews eleven six, we learn that it is impossible, not possible. There is no way to please God without faith. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, we learn that we walk by faith, not by sight. Hebrews 10.38 says that the just shall live by faith. That statement is repeated also in the Old Testament in the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2 and verse 4, and in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 7. In Mark 11.22, Jesus told us to have He didn't say try. He said, have the God kind of faith. So I bring those verses to to your remembrance tonight to emphasize to you how important this subject really is. It's not a side issue. And I know that there are those who think, well, some churches like this one go to seed on the subject. But it's working awfully well for an awfully lot of people. And so we always want to keep digging in, learning a little more, growing a little more. And uh, our subject for these uh, few Wednesdays is faith is. And in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 is our beginning text to read together. And it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So number one, faith is substance. It is spiritual materiality. It is obvious in the spiritual realm. It is a right now spiritual commodity contrasted with hope, which hope is important and hope is powerful, but hope is future and waits on faith to give it substance. And in Proverbs thirteen twelve, we find that if we hope for too long without faith coming along and bringing that to pass that it makes the heart sick. It just simply says hope deferred makes the heart sick. So obviously we need more than hope. Faith is not a product of my senses. I can't taste it. I can't see it with my natural eyes and I can't smell it. I can't feel it with my fingers. Faith is not a product of my senses, and neither is it a product of any natural process. Faith isn't a product of natural processes, and it's not a natural substance. So my senses can't perceive it. I can't see it with my eyes. I can't smell it. I can't taste it or touch it, but that makes it no less real. We believe in all kinds of things we can't see. If you ever turn on your radio, it's because you have faith to believe that there are radio waves that can be picked up and you can hear what the radio station is producing, even though you cannot see the radio wave. If you were in an area where there was radiation, you would protect yourself or seek to be protected. Have you ever wondered why when you go to the dentist, they put all of that stuff all over you and they put that stuff in your mouth and then leave the room? They can't see anything, and you can't see anything, but we know there's something there. So it's really 
not very, uh, uh, it's disingenuous to put it this way, to say, well, if I can't see something, I don't believe in it. That's not really true at all. And in the realm of the spirit, faith is quite obvious. Now, number two, we learned that faith, and we learned it from this same verse, that faith is not only substance of things hoped for, but it is the evidence of things not seen. It is the proof of the existence and the reality that what we are believing for is real. It is the evidence. Actually, it's what you have until you could see or feel or taste or touch or whatever the manifestation of the faith. Your, your faith is your evidence. It's now. Everybody say now. now. That's one of the great truths that the Lord has been teaching me, and I'm hoping that we'll all be learning a little more about it. Faith is not future. If it's future, it's not faith. It could be hope, but it's not faith. The substance of faith is always now. That's what time it is in the spiritual dimension. So anything you're waiting on, you haven't yet received. Now, you have to digest that because sometimes when I would say a statement or anybody would say a statement like that, somebody would say, well, I don't have it in my hand. I can't feel it, so I guess I am waiting on it. Well, that's, you missed the point. The point is receiving takes place in this spiritual dimension before you feel it or before you see it. So anything you would say I'm waiting on, you have not yet received. And anything you have received, you would be grateful for in advance of seeing it. You would be thanking God for it, and you'd be planning for its manifestation, and you would be making plans to live with what you're believing for. Faith is my evidence. There is a period of time in many faith projects when it goes on a while, and your only evidence is your faith. And if you don't know how to stand in faith, and if you are a waverer, and if you're double-minded about the issue, you won't receive anything from God in that arena. Faith is that which I am convinced of. Faith is my conviction. I am convinced. And so where do we get our convictions? From this book. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. This is the only place you're going to get. Faith is from the Word of God. And so faith is that which I am convinced of. It's that which I am sure about. Anything you're not sure about, you're not in faith for. It's very simple, but it's, and it's powerful. But anything you're not sure about, you're not in faith for. Because faith begins where the will of God is known. And that which I can know now and am convinced of now is something that I can receive now. I want to say that again. That which I am convinced of now, that I know now from the Word of God and am convinced of its truth, convinced of it being the will of God for me, I can receive it now. I don't have to wait a year or two. I don't have to wait on Groundhog Day or Labor Day or Christmas or the 4th of July. I can receive it now. Through evidence, through my faith, I believe 
And when I believe Bible evidence, I'm believing the truth. Jesus said in John 17, 17, let me turn there and let me read it for you. John 17, 17, sometimes I think we make a mistake by only quoting verses. It's good to do so, but you know, you just need sometimes to look again. You just sometimes need to look at them again. In John 17, 17, part of the prayer of Jesus, Jesus is actually talking to his heavenly father and he says and makes this request of the father. He says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. So evidence is the truth, and the truth comes from and is the word of God. Praise the Lord. Now, I, that brings us to something that's very important. I'm glad you're here tonight to hear this, because this is so important that you understand this point I'm getting ready to make. And here it is. Your believing can be totally correct and thoroughly biblical. But you will still do without what you're believing for or that which you believe in if you don't act on what you believe. Amen. And that's another simple statement, but you've got to get this in your heart if faith's going to work for you. Let me give you an illustration. Let's say I had fasted for 40 days. I've never done that. I have no plans at present to do that, by the way. But let's say I had. And so hunger had returned to me, and I am very hungry, and I'm actually having some, you know, by this point, perhaps I'm getting, I've got some physical things going on that I need some food. You know, I need, I need some balanced nutrition. So I could tell you, and you come to me, and you could bring to me all these wonderful, this wonderful uh, smorgasbord of food, fruits, vegetables, uh, meat, uh, you know, all, all kinds of good things. And I could look at you and I could tell you very plainly and with great conviction, I believe if I eat that food, that it'll do me good. I believe if I eat that food, it will cure and fix my hunger problem. I believe if I eat that food, it will nourish me and strengthen me and I'll be doing better if I eat that food. And you know, you could not fault my believing. Everything I just said is absolutely true. But if I don't actually eat the food, I can believe right and still do without the blessing. That's where a lot of Pentecostal, full gospel, charismatic believers are. They've heard a lot of good things taught. They've read their Bibles. They've studied. They've read good books. They've listened to uh, messages by great men and women of God who have taught them truth. And if you ask them what they believe, they could rattle it off to you and they would be biblically correct. Their believing is accurate. But if you don't ever act on what you believe, you're never going to have what you believe in. And that brings us to the third thing tonight that faith is. took us a long time to get to this number three, but here we are. Faith is... Substance, evidence, number three, faith is a decision. Faith is a decision. You can make a decision to have anything that God's Word 
says you can have or that God's Word says you already have. Anything that the Word says is by rights yours as a son or a daughter of God, you can have any of those things when you decide to. Now, I know it's very religious-sounding and very spiritual-sounding in, in, you know, in some mindsets to say, well, I'm waiting on God. And I do believe in waiting on God in the sense that I believe that we should wait in His presence, we should seek His face, we should pray, we should definitely wait in the presence of God. And we need to wait on His instructions. And we need to wait on His guidance. If we don't know what to do in a certain situation, we need to pray and wait until we do know what to do. But you never have to wait. And this is a big statement, but it's true. You never have to wait to receive what God says is already yours. That means you don't have to wait on healing. You don't have to wait on the peace of God. You don't have to wait on being delivered from a spirit of fear or a spirit of infirmity or anything else. We don't have to wait on that which is already provided. If somebody came tonight into this room and you could just tell by looking at them and maybe listening to them for just a moment that they're very desperate, they need Jesus, and they said, I need Jesus so badly and I want to be saved. I came here tonight for that purpose to get right with God. Would you tell them, no, I think you ought to wait. Let's wait. You know, it, it, maybe, maybe this is not the best time. Maybe this isn't the right time. No, you wouldn't say that to them. I mean, if they came in here and interrupted, as we would say, interrupted the service to get saved, how many of you know that'd be a great interruption? We'd be happy to be interrupted. That's kind of what happened to Peter when he went down to Cornelius' household. While he was preaching, he was interrupted by the Holy Ghost falling on them. They, got, they, they heard his message, believed it instantaneously. They were born again and almost simultaneously filled with the Holy Ghost. Great interruption there. He never did get to really finish, I guess, all that he thought he was going to say. That's all right. Uh, a lot, most of our sermons would be, be good if they got cut down a little bit. Not this one tonight, of course, but <laughs> praise the Lord. You don't have to wait on what God's already provided. That'd be like, you know, let's just use an, uh, just an example. Let's say you had $5,000 in a bank account. You go to the bank. You've got your ID. You've got everything you need. And you need to withdraw $1,000. You've got something you need to take care of. You've got some business to take care of, something you need to pay for. And so you need $1,000. Why would you wait? Why would you stand outside the building and say, I'm just waiting? The money's in my account. I've got everything I need to get it out. I need it. But I'm, I'm just waiting. I mean, you'd, you'd think somebody was a little bit off their rocker if that's their attitude. <coughs> <coughs> well, the truth is, Christians all the time are, for whatever reason, waiting to receive what's already been given to them. And you don't have to wait. You can make a decision. If you've heard the truth, and if it is your will to do so, you can believe, you can choose to believe, and exercise your faith. Believing is a choice. You say, how do you know? Because it's commanded. 
God commands, every, God commands everywhere that men believe. Repent and believe the gospel. That's the gospel message. He didn't say, if you feel like it, believe. If it looks right, believe. If it lines up with what your grandmother taught you, believe. No, he said, just believe it. It's not hard to do. If you've heard truth, and if you will to do so, you can choose to believe it. It's simple. As a matter of fact, that's one reason people stumble over it, because it just seems too simple. That I could get a miracle through a simple process. I could get healed through a simple process. I could live and not die because of a simple process. Yes. It's simple. It's quick. It's doable. And when you do it, if you don't back away, it's permanent. It's permanent. Now let's go to 1 John over in uh, the, toward the back of your Bible. 1 John chapter 5. And let's look at verses 14 and 15. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, everybody say, His will is His Word. Say, His Word is His will. We know that's true. Because if His Word was not His will, then He would be a liar. So we can... We can do this substitution and not do despite at all to the, to the Word of God. And if we know that He hear us whatsoever we ask... I'm sorry, verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His Word, He heareth us. Verse 15. And if we know that He hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have. We have. I underlined those two words, we have. Is have present tense, past tense, or future tense? It's present tense. What do I have? Those things that I have asked for according to his word. That's what I have. I have the petitions. It says we have the petitions that we desired of him. The desire. This is this is kind of John's way of saying what Mark says in Mark eleven twenty four: what things soever you desire when you pray believe that you receive them and you shall have them so faith is the intersection of my will and God's word it's the intersection of my will and God's will God's word I can choose what I believe simply by choosing what I listen to And I listen to two different streams. There are two channels I listen to. I listen to me, and then I listen to others, the voice of others. And the the me channel is the most important as far as my faith is concerned. Simply because you believe you more than you believe anybody else. It's just true. You can hear the greatest authority in all the world on a particular topic. And I guarantee you, if it's not something you're familiar with, if it's not something uh, easy to understand, if it's maybe a little complicated or a little convoluted, 
Uh, if it sounds not quite right to what we thought or what we've been taught in our life, there's a good chance that even though that person's the greatest expert alive on the planet about it, we might just have a bit of doubt, could that be so? But once you are convinced of a truth to the point that you then pick it up and you start speaking it, even if it's just in your prayer closet, even if it's just in your morning devotional time with God when nobody else is around, if it's so far-fetched, it seems, and so far beyond where you are at this moment that you don't know how in the world that could be real or right for me, but you know God said it, and that makes it real, that makes it right, but it doesn't look like it, and so you just kind of almost with trepidation, you start saying. You start saying. And you know what? Your words change you faster than anybody else's words. So just take God's words... Lift them off the page, put them in your mouth, and faith will come. And dare, dare to say what God says. Forget about how you feel. Forget about what somebody else thinks. Go somewhere where nobody hears you. Whatever you need to do that you can just do something, do, do this with some confidence, do it and declare what God says. I remember the first time that I ever consciously stated before God that I am a wealthy man. I had a negative net worth. I didn't own anything except one old vehicle that wasn't worth much. And I had more debt than I had equity. I had negative net worth. And I remember where I was. I remember that day to this day, a bright, sunny afternoon in the backyard of a place we were renting. Couldn't afford to buy a house, didn't own a house. And I remember saying that before God and how weird I felt. How strange that sounded to make that declaration that day. And you know, from that day to this, it is amazing what the Lord has done for us. Hallelujah. And he's not through. Amen. We're not through confessing. We're not through believing. We're not through sowing. We're not through reaping. God is a wonderful God. I'm just using that as an illustration because I know what it's like to say something when it doesn't look like it's working and it doesn't even look possible. There was no way on earth that day that I knew other than if God, he would have had to supernaturally shown me at that moment, and he didn't, how that was going to happen. But if you dare to trust his word, he'll bring it to pass. Praise the Lord. He'll bring it to pass. So faith is a decision, and we choose what we believe when we choose what we listen to and who Particularly, who we listen to. And then number four, faith is substance. Faith is evidence. Faith is a decision. Number four, faith is action. Faith is action. Let's go to the book of James. Let's go to the book of James. James wrote some marvelous things. And there, there are those in the body of Christ today, sadly, uh, 
And even more sad to report, even some among the charismatic world, they don't particularly like the book of James. Because it doesn't quite fit all of the narratives of some of the things that some folks are trying to teach. Because James is one of those people that... um, Trying to get these pages apart. Got a new Bible. You know how that is. But James is James James writes about action. And um, we live in a whole culture today that doesn't really like having to take action. We live in a culture where people want to blame everybody else for all of their problems. And they want somebody else to fix everything for them. And they want to have a trouble-free, carefree life at somebody else's expense. They want somebody else to do the work, somebody else to produce the resources, and somebody else then to hand it to them. That's what socialism is. And... To some degree, it works until you run out of those other people's money. And that's what happened to the Soviet Union. And that's what happened to Romania. That's what happened to Hungary. That's what happened to all those so-called Eastern Bloc nations. That's what happened to Venezuela. And if this country doesn't change its direction, that's what's going to happen here. Well, you didn't come to hear all that, did you? But you get it anyway. It's a bonus. Just It's a bonus. No extra charge. But even in the body of Christ, there are people that want to tell you that it really doesn't matter. You know, um, it's all provided. It's all done. And, you know, I see the point. Jesus did do the work. And he did provide it all. And it, he did do everything he needed to do. But he will not come down, even though he lives in you. By the Holy Ghost, he won't come down and receive for you. I quoted Second Corinthians 5, 7. We walk by faith, not by sight. You're the one who has to walk by faith. Not him. He'll walk with you. He will accompany you, he'll empower you, he'll lead you, he'll guide you, he'll direct you, but he's not going to walk for you. If God was going to do everything for everybody, everybody would be saved. If need alone moved God, then every time there was a need, it would get immediately met. You cannot divorce Christianity from a degree of personal responsibility of those who receive Christ. We have a job to do. And we have a commission. That's, that's part of the works of ministry. No, we don't work for salvation. We don't work and earn healing. We don't earn the blessing of God. We don't earn salvation. We don't earn eternal life. We don't, inter- we don't earn a ticket to heaven, if you will. But while here on this earth... In a hostile environment, I'm talking about spiritually hostile, where there is an adversary that's only coming around you to steal, kill, and destroy. In a world where the world actually is fallen, a fallen system, and we live 
in as a minority. We are a minority. Born-again believers are a minority. I know there are millions of us, and thank God for more and more being born again. But, but there's over now over 7 billion people on the planet, and no, not even half of them are born again yet. And it's hard sometimes for Americans to fathom this, but there's still millions of people that don't even know who Jesus is. And we have... We have a job to do. We, we, we can't do Jesus' job. We don't need to. He finished his. But I have to receive if I'm going to get what God wants me to have. And James deals with that in his teaching. And so there, there are folks who just this doesn't fit their narrative because they want to blame God for everything. They want to put all the responsibility on God. They want to just basically make it a, you know, a... I call it the Doris Day Doctrine. Some of you don't know who I'm talking about, but some of you are old enough to remember Doris Day. K. Sarah, Sarah. I think that's about the only song she ever had that did anything. Um, K. Sarah, Sarah. That, you know, whatever will be, will be the Doris Day Doctrine. You know, if it's the Lord's will, you know, in his own good time and his own good way. May I point out to you that in the fullness of time Christ was born? This is God's own time. And he, Jesus, was the way. He was God's good way. If I don't have it, it's because I have not yet received it and walked it out. Now, that's one of the reasons why this place isn't full every Wednesday night when you teach about faith or every Sunday morning. Because most people do not want to hear that. They just want to be religious and blame God for them not receiving and hope everything works out. Well... How's that working out? James chapter 2, let's move on. I could, I could camp it here all night, but we don't need to. James chapter 2 and verse number 18, we'll begin reading there. James says, actually we'll start with verse 17. Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Let's stop just a minute to point out works there means corresponding actions. It doesn't mean working to get faith. It doesn't mean working for approval. It doesn't mean working to get God to love you. It doesn't mean working and paying for any of his blessings of redemption. It just simply means if you're in faith, there's going to be some action that shows it. It's not all just a mental thing. And it's not all just spiritual. Faith is a spiritual commodity, but it manifests out here where it can be seen. And that's what James goes on to say in verse 18. Yea, A man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, or thy corresponding actions, and I will show thee my faith by my corresponding actions. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Now remember what we said earlier? You can believe the right things and still not get the benefits. That's what the devil's doing. He believes in God He's not getting any benefit from that. And a lot of people are in that same shape. Now, I'm not calling them a devil. I just mean they're they're doing the same thing. They're believing correctly, but they're not getting the benefits because there is no corresponding action with their faith. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without corresponding actions is dead? And then he gives the example of Abraham, our father, justified by works or corresponding actions when he'd offered Isaac, his son, upon the altar. Someone says, oh, but yeah, that was Old Testament. Well, then why are we reading about it in the New if it has no, if this means nothing? 
I mean, you know, I'm not a seminary uh, graduate. I'm not a, I'm not a PhD. Uh, but, you know, just simple Bible interpretation would tell you that the Holy Spirit would not have brought this man Abraham up if it wasn't some bearing on people's lives. And you know the story how that he just simply obeyed God, and that was faith. When he and Isaac went up on the mountain, that was faith. He didn't have a plan B. God did. God had the ram coming up the mountain while Abraham was going up one side. The ram evidently was either already there or was coming up the other side. And they met at right the exact right moment, and everything was good. And so James refers to this as Abraham wrought with his works, and by works or by corresponding actions was faith made perfect or complete. Now, what we see in this particular uh, passage is that your faith is not finished or complete until there's some corresponding actions. You might be believing correctly, biblically, scripturally. You might be accurate in all of that. But if there's no action, faith is not complete. Amen? Verse 26, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works or corresponding actions is dead. And so it's important to understand that there must be some action that corresponds to your faith. You're not working to get into faith. You're not working to earn whatever you're trying to believe for. But what's going on is you believe... Now listen carefully because I'm getting ready to close. I can't finish all this teaching tonight, so we'll, we'll come back next week. But you believe this so strongly. You've went to the Word. You've heard the Word. You have, you have meditated the Word. Revelation truth has come to you, and you believe the Word to the point that you begin to act on it. That's faith. Up until there, there's some action, it's a belief. It might be an accurate belief, but that's not enough to move your mountain. And the first action of faith is confession. If your faith can't move your mouth, it will never move your mountain. And if your mouth is, again, James... Lots of good stuff in the book of James. If your mouth is like a fountain that puts forth sweet water and bitter water, well, actually, James says that's not even possible. But yet people do that, don't they? They get around other believers. They get in a church service. They get excited. They start talking faith. They start talking belief. And that's wonderful. And before the week's out, they're talking their doubt. They're talking their fear. They're talking their unbelief. Somebody said, well, I just don't believe that all that's necessary. Well, again, how's that working out for you? I mean, you can believe anything you want to believe, but if your believing isn't based on truth, it's not worth anything. You know, I, can, I could try to believe that I could go out here and spin around in the churchyard and fly over to the house. That's not going to work. You could try to believe all kinds of things, but, but it's only truth 
you know, truth is truth. And you might say, well, that just sounds so foolish. It's no more foolish than a man thinking he's a woman. I mean, we're living in a generation where people think that they can think their way into anything, and they can't. Truth is truth. Hallelujah. Man, we could meddle a lot. Maybe next week we'll get there. Praise the Lord. We're going to stop there, and you can, you can just take home with you what you've heard meditate on a message like this there's you know it's like our friend mark hankins says it's like a a fat preacher in a barbed wire fence it's a point here and a point there um i believe god's spoken to us though father i thank you tonight for your precious word i thank you for the holy ghost i thank you lord that you're always more than enough. Thank you for revelation knowledge. Lord, we are believers. And based on your holy written word, we, we have the ability to believe accurately. But we also know, Lord, that as people of faith, our believing has to provoke us to action. We're not trying to get you to be who you already are. We're not trying to get you to do what you always will to do anyhow. We're trying to realize who we are in Christ and align our words and our actions to correspond with our believing. And we know, Lord, that when we do that, you'll make a way for sick bodies to be healed, for broke, busted, disgusted folks to come to a place of abundant supply. You'll change relationships within families and marriages and homes. You will cause people to be able to sleep at night. Somebody here, you've been having trouble sleeping in Jesus' name. The Word says He gives His beloved sleep. Stand on that scripture. Declare it before you go to bed tonight. God will give me sleep. I am his beloved. Just do the word. Act on the word. Stand on the word. Father, I thank you that as we do, you'll bring it to pass. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. I was asked to uh, pray over a prayer cloth, so I've got several in my pocket, so I know... Nick was wanting one. Maybe somebody else does. The anointing of God is in this place. The power of God is here. And so tonight we're going to pray and believe God. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you that your power, your anointing is flowing. I thank you that as we lay our hands on these pieces of cloth, that the anointing power of God to heal and to deliver goes with them wherever they go. And will affect a healing and a cure and deliverance for all those who are in need of these things. And I believe you, Lord, that they will not be the same because of the manifestations of your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If